Hello, and welcome to Between the Stacks, a podcast created and produced by the Odell Public Library. I'm your host, Victoria Horn, and on this month's episode, we're doing something a little bit different. It has been a wild, wild time for this podcast host, and I planned on doing an episode on Indigenous writers, and I had a whole list of books that I was super excited to read in November, and I started one of them, and I literally have not finished more than 100 pages, and I had maybe 30 books checked out, which was probably too ambitious, but (laughs) I wanted to be able to recommend a wide array of titles, but it just didn't work out. And since there are many sensitive subjects in Indigenous writing, obviously, very understandably so, I wanted to be able to recommend titles knowing which content warnings I could put on there for people so that you know what you're getting into. So, I didn't feel comfortable doing that episode without fully preparing. So on this episode, I am going to invite you to join me in setting a precedent for this holiday season in which we remember that the most important thing is not producing the most perfect holiday experience. It is not producing the most perfect turkey you've ever seen for Thanksgiving. It's not putting the most insane number of presents you've ever seen under a Christmas tree. That does not matter. (laughs) And it is something that I have been meaning to address for a while as a perfectionist. We are going to be talking about why I quit my reading challenge for this year. And I'll be going over some of the books that I am going to prioritize and give myself permission to read finally this year. (laughs) So I'll get into that later and hopefully I'll give you some, you know, recommendations that will spark your excitement in the same way that they have sparked mine. We're going on the fly here, folks, okay? Uh, It's it's a wild ride. I hope that I can provide some entertainment for your drives this holiday. Recording Tuesday, November 22nd, a couple days before Thanksgiving. I'm sure many of you are traveling, so hopefully I can provide an hour of respite in your journey and you can commiserate with my (laughs) experience with biting off more than I can chew. And we can all just accept that nothing is perfect. This life is so transient and we're all just here together, so it's fine. I'll get into it in a minute. Stay with me. We're going to start out with some important announcements. So starting off with uh, announcing our holiday hours. So we will be closed for Thanksgiving this Thursday, November 24th and Friday, November 25th. So, of course, there will be no story time this Thursday evening since we will be closed, but there will be another story time coming around the bend next week when Miss Katie will be back December 1st for in-person story time from 7 to 7.30 p.m. And then if you were wondering what our Christmas hours will be for the holiday season in December, we will be closed Saturday, December 24th for Christmas Eve. And then since Christmas is on a Sunday, we will be closed 
Monday, December 26th in observance of Christmas Day. A little Boxing Day treat. And then another exciting development. Our carpet bid is out. Meredith said that this was going to be a boring announcement that she's not sure anyone cared about, but I say Meredith has worked so hard. Thank you, Meredith. We love you. Very grateful for all the work that you do and the ways that you protect us from having to deal with such stressful things. But (laughs) a decision should be made in December as far as who has won that carpet bid. So thank you so much to the friends and those who have served on the committee. We really appreciate you. And another thank you, we owe you such a big, big thank you for turning up in support of our friend's book and bake sale a couple weeks ago, and all the people who donated baked goods or books. Thanks to you, we were able to raise $1,861.50 to go towards new furnishings for Odell. Super exciting. We really appreciate you. And Lego Club returns the first Saturday in December, which is the third, from 10.30 to noon. Lego, Duplo, and Megablocks are provided. It's all ages and abilities. Doesn't matter how old you are, just come, enjoy. It's such a fun time to build community with people who enjoy being creative with Lego. And in the same vein, Pokemon Club will meet Saturday, December 17th from 10 to 11.30, And Magic the Gathering will follow from 12 to 3 p.m. We've really been enjoying reinvigorating these programs, and I hope that more people will come and take advantage of them. All right, so it's the exciting time in the podcast when I get to describe all the new books that we have at Odell. So many shiny new titles for you. So you can find a complete list of the titles on our monthly book order on our website, Odell, O-D-E-L-L, publiclibrary.com. And print copies of that list are also available at the circulation desk along with our Adopt-A-Book form. So come check those out because I can't possibly describe all of the books here, but I'll give you the highlights reel. So in adult nonfiction, we got a big title that a lot of people have been waiting for. Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing by Matthew Perry, which has done incredibly well, and it's gotten so many incredible reviews. There's a beautiful introduction by Lisa Kudrow, who was on the television show Friends with Matthew Perry for so many years. And I cried a little bit reading it. <laughs> it it's only two pages. That's that's where we're at. Okay, so um, highly recommend checking that one out. I'm sure that one will be hard to keep on the shelves. So if you'd like to put a hold on any of these books that are hard to catch when they're back in the library, you can go to the Prairie Cat app or website to put a book on hold, or you can call or come in and we'll be happy to help you do that. And then other nonfiction titles we have, super excited to check out Weaving Sundown in a Scarlet Light, 50 Poems for 50 Years by Joy Harjo, who is a longtime love of mine. Oh, she is such an incredible writer. I li- recently started listening to her audio book on Libby, An American Sunrise, and I, <laughs> incredible. You have to hear it. 
I can't say anything more about it. <laughs> so super excited to check out her new work. And then we also have a couple of political titles that will be polarizing for some, so <laughs> enter at your own risk. We have So Help Me God by Mike Pence and the January 6th report, Findings from the Select Committee to Investigate the January 6th Attack on the United States Capitol. I'll, I'll probably end up reading the January 6th report, but I need to swaddle myself, get a cup of cocoa, you know, surround myself with soft, plushy things first, and then I, I will enter into it. But check that one out. And then in adult fiction, we've got a bunch of new titles in popular series. Couldn't possibly name them all, but The Usual Suspects, Riss Bowen, Michael Connolly, Robert Crace, Jeffrey Deaver, Jack DeBrule, Janet Ivanovich, Richard Paul Evans, Heather Graham, Ellie Griffiths, Sophie Hanna, Anthony Horowitz, James Patterson, Louise Penny, Anne Perry, Matthew Quick, Nora Roberts, Danielle Steele, and Lisa Unger. And John Boyne actually came out with a sequel to The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Super interested to see what that one is about. I am also incredibly intrigued by this new title from Kevin Wilson. I heard about it on the Book Riot podcast. Been getting a lot of amazing recommendations from that podcast. Highly, highly, highly recommend checking them out. I'll leave the link to their podcast in the show notes. And I'm intrigued by this <laughs> title. It's called Now is Not the Time to Panic. And the gist of it is about these two boys who make a piece of art and put it up in their town and it causes this satanic panic in their town and it's just incredible. Anything to do with art, I'm in. Anything to do with things causing a commotion in a town, I'm in. Really excited to check out what the heck this one's about, so... And also really excited by the book, Even Though I Knew the End, by C.L. Polk. I didn't know a single thing about this book or this author, and then I was processing the new books, and the cover is beautiful. It's uh, two people kissing, and instead of their faces, you can just see birds flying out in a sort of sunburst. Gorgeous. Just incredible. Uh, the description on Goodreads says, A magical detective dives into the affairs of Chicago's divine monsters to secure a future with the love of her life. An exiled auger who sold her soul to save her brother's life is offered one last job before serving an eternity in hell. When she turns it down, her client sweetens the pot by offering up the one payment she can't resist. The chance to have a future where she grows old with the woman she loves. To succeed, she is given three days to track down the White City Vampire, Chicago's most notorious serial killer. If she fails, only hell and heartbreak await. I'm excited to get my heart torn out. That's it. <laughs> That's the, the plot. All right. <laughs> so check out any of our new adult titles. And we have recently rearranged some things at the library. We have a new bookshelf for our new adult and young adult books. Check that out to the right when you come in. I know it will look like we have discarded all of our new books. We have not, I assure you. 
just <laughs> go to the right and you'll find all of them there. All right, so in Young Adult, we have a couple new titles. We have Children of Ragnarok, which is the first in the Runestone Saga by Cinda Williams Chima. We have Cursed, which is the second in the Gilded series by Marissa Meyer, and Wait For Me by Sarah Shepard, as well as one more that I will be talking about later because I'm super excited to read it. So in Junior Fiction, we have new titles from Aaron Blaby with the 16th in the Bad Guys series, a new series from Ben Clanton, the second in the Warriors, a Starless Clan series by Aaron Hunter, a new Big Nate book from Lincoln Pierce, and of course, Dave Pilkey pulling out the fourth in the Cat Kid Comic Club series. That one's gonna fly off the shelves, I'm sure. And in Easy Fiction, we have some Old Faithfuls, Cozy in Love by Jan Brett. Love me some Jan Brett. We have The Sour Grape by Jory John. Adorable. Construction Site, Farming Strong All Year Long by Sherry Dusky Rinker. And Love Birds by the beloved Jane Yolen. Alright, so usually, if you have been following the podcast at all this year, I have been going over what I will be reading for the Book Riot Read Harder Challenge, which is a list of 24 tasks that comes out each year to help expand your reading experience, help you read more widely, get into genres and different authors, and, you know, ensure that you're sort of ticking all the boxes that you know, make up a well-rounded reader, which is what I aspire to be. So I was super excited and motivated at the start of the year. I was super intrigued by all of the tasks that had been appointed to us to undertake. And I want to say that just because I'm giving up on it does not mean that I think that it is not worth your time. It is absolutely worth your time. And I may attempt to complete it next year, probably not as publicly as this because I don't think that helped at all. (laughs) But I think it is incredibly valuable and something that if you're trying to reinvigorate your reading life and you're sort of having a hard time coming up with ideas of what to read, I think it's a great idea to follow the Read Harder Challenge and sort of see what's happening in all these different pockets of literature now. So I do highly recommend checking out the challenge, but I also maybe think you should take a slightly quieter approach to it than I did. Yes, so I'm completing my own challenge this year, giving up on something and counting it as a win, (laughs) okay? So after the October podcast episode, I started evaluating my overall progress this year, and I realized that I had only finished six out of 24 challenges for the year, and I only had two months left to complete the remaining 18 challenges. That's 18 books, okay? So I've been telling you what I will be reading for the Book Riot Read Harder Challenge every single month this year, but just because I told you that I would read that book doesn't mean that I actually did read that book, and I felt really guilty about it. Uh, With two months left in the year, I started weighing my options, and I could force myself to read a bunch of 
books that I didn't want to just to have the accolade of completing an arbitrary self-goal that I announced very publicly, or I could quit the challenge and finally get to read all the books that I've been wanting to read this year, but haven't because they wouldn't fulfill a task for the Retarder Challenge. So this touches on something that I think is really important to drive home, especially as people who are advocating for a life of being a conscious reader, being someone who prioritizes making reading a regular part of your life. It is also incredibly important that we stop (laughs) making it a moral argument. Oh, do you read? You don't? Well, I'm better than you then is kind of the vibe that some people get when they think about a library, and that is absolutely the opposite of the vibe I hope that we put off at Odell, because my experience of working with the fantastic people that I work with, that's what I'm grateful for this year. I'm so grateful to work for a library that puts the people first. The books are our means of connection, community. That is is just why we're here, but we are also here because we love the way that stories connect people. And if you're reading, you know, that cheesy, fluffy romance that's flying off the shelves, we are not judging you (laughs) because you are choosing to be here. You are choosing to devote some time out of your day to come to the library to take a small moment to borrow a phrase from Mary Oliver in your one wild and precious life, to listen to the voices that are coming from literature, and to open yourself up to them. It doesn't matter what kind of (laughs) topics or genres or, you know, it doesn't matter if you're reading junior fiction, picture books, uh, YA, the tiniest little comic book, it doesn't matter. That's not what it is important. It doesn't matter if you can finish an 800-page book in two weeks. Most of us (laughs) find that that's not doable, and I don't think that reading should be a competition. That is absolutely not what we are here for. I don't care how many books a year you read. I I don't care how many books a year I read. I set a goal, but, you know, I think there is so much to be said about having even one book that changes your heart, changes your life for that one brief moment in time. That is so memorable. Reading 50 books in a year is not memorable if a single book did not invoke something in you that makes you want to continue living and living better. So in that interest, (laughs) as opposed to ticking off a box for myself, I just, I, I have looked at the books that I have read this year, and yes, I read some fantastic ones. See, it's kind of bad if you can't remember what you read <laughs> in the year, but I do. I whipped through the Heartstopper series. Amazing experience. I loved my first taste of Casey McQuiston with I Kissed Shara Wheeler. Loved What Moves the Dead by T. Kingfisher. That left an impression, let me tell you. But 
when I was looking at my list and seeing all these things that ticked off my challenge list, none of them were the books that I was super excited to start reading this year. And I read pretty widely. There's nothing that I won't touch really, except maybe like medical stuff. I really, health anxiety is a thing. I can't, I can't do it. Um, yeah. So uh, in, in, in the interest of explaining to you, like you're probably thinking, Victoria, why the heck is this such a big deal that you're quitting a challenge? People give up on New Year's resolutions all the time. Like I, <laughs> I am such a perfectionist and I grew up reading like a maniac as a kid. I, I was the defining bookworm. That was my moniker, you know, and then I felt like a complete failure when I realized I hadn't read a single book in a couple of years. And the big bad that spelled disaster for my reading life was majoring in literature and writing in rhetoric in college. And while academia just by its inherent nature includes a lot of reading, the demands of being an English major means that I had two or three times as much reading as the average college student and most of it was not for pleasure. It was not of my choosing. Don't get me wrong, I loved being an English major. I loved reading things I would not have had any reason to seek out or even know about otherwise. And it was amazing getting college credit while feeding my love of books and my curiosity about where that might fit into my post-grad career and life. But I also got just a serious case of burnout. The one that killed me was that my last semester of junior year, I think, I took a Tolkien class in which we read the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Hobbit, and The Silmarillion, as well as a smattering of other short stories and poems and things that Tolkien had written. And it took a major weight off my shoulders <laughs> because I finally had read what was on my TBR list forever. But it also dimmed the pleasure of the experience because I couldn't read at my own pace. My grades were dependent on my ability to keep up with the pace set by my professor, whom I loved and <laughs> adored, but it was a lot. And uh, I couldn't savor the moment as deeply as I ordinarily like to when I'm reading a book that is super close to my heart. I had seen all the movies. I know it was the wrong order. I, I typically read the book before the movie, but... I digress. We've all done that. And uh, there were always so many other demands that meant I didn't always get to finish the book that I was supposed to read. And that killed me. There were other classes, other homework. I was in symphonic band all four years of college. I went to all the plays and improv shows and dance recitals and things I could get myself to at college and I had a lot of really good friends who <laughs> often wondered why I spent so much time at the library working on homework instead of prioritizing our time together, and I found it really difficult to turn off that perfectionist side of my brain that said I need to complete my homework 110%, otherwise it's useless. Like, <laughs> that was just not doable, and I still fight that urge. I... It's, and it's not necessarily conducive to a healthy, balanced life. So I, I go too hard. I burn myself out on things that I love 
So that's why in the three years after my college graduation, I didn't read more than two or three books total. It, reading was just not part of my daily life. Um, and that gave me a severe existential crisis, like no joke. I set a goal to read 12 books in 2021, which was one book a month. That was a lofty goal for me at the time. Pretty reasonable for someone who used to read five books a month growing up. And I was on pace to meet my goal to read a book a month through the year. And then I started working at Odell. I started processing the new book order. I started putting books on display, hosting this podcast. My world opened up to the book world again in a way that reinvigorated my passion for reading. And I hadn't felt that way in a long, long, long time. So by the end of the year, I had reached 267% of my goal. Let's go. So I'm telling you this to illustrate the fact that reading because you want to and whatever you want to does wonders for giving life to your old reading bug, dusting off your ability to sit down for an hour during the day and completely immerse yourself in someone else's world. And it's also important to note that if you have not finished a single book this year, that is absolutely okay. And I don't need to tell you that, but just in case you need to hear it, if you haven't finished a book in 10 years, that's fine. I am not judging you, and no one else should either. If you like to see what's new and cool in the world of books, to borrow a phrase from Book Riot, <laughs> even though you know you'll never pick a single one up, that is totally cool. That's awesome, actually. No one should make you feel bad about that. If reading just isn't important to you, and you're tired of hearing people tell you that it's important. Well, you're probably not listening to this podcast, but just in case you are. Reading does not make anyone morally superior. That shouldn't be a hot take. It just it just doesn't. Reading does not make a good person. Anyone who makes you feel less than because you don't read regularly or enough by someone else's standards is not worth your time. I recently watched this incredible video that I was delivered through my YouTube algorithm. It was called Why You Stopped Reading from the channel Answer in Progress. Amazing editing, amazing energy. Love it. The person in the video, Sabrina Cruz, describes the exact phenomenon that I experienced prior to beginning work at Odell and rediscovering my love of reading. So she talks about the fact that reading is simply another commitment, that it's that simple. Unless it's part of your job or your schooling or your parenting of another human, it's just an optional activity that you can fill your time with. I believe it's a valuable one, but it's also not the only one vying for your attention. And you have to find a way to cut something else out of your pie chart that is the time that you have in a day in order to fit reading in if you want to. It is so difficult to fit into our society's current model of day-to-day -day life. And let me tell you, I'm the prime candidate for reading a lot. I'm single, I have no kids, I work fewer hours than most people, I have a job that puts books directly in the forefront of my mind. So yes, I have a lot of opportunity to read more than your average 27-year-old. 
but I also have a lot of hobbies and personal goals. Since many of them benefit from me reading more, I have made a conscious effort to replace some of my leisure activities with reading for pleasure this year. But I didn't find reading immensely pleasurable this year because I was shoehorning myself into reading what someone else wanted me to read. And I know that's a lot of people's problem with (laughs) reading for school. And I absolutely don't blame you because I definitely would not have touched Ulysses by James Joyce with a 10-foot pole if it weren't for a class. Hate that book. But (laughs) I'm telling you this because even if I hadn't made public announcements about my plans every month and felt the need to explain to you why I'm suspending my Read Harder updates, I would want to share this story with you because I think it hits on an important facet of making reading a regular part of your life, if that's what you want to do. I quit this reading challenge so that I could start reading again. That is not failure. It is growth, acceptance, and compassion for myself. Compassion for the only reader whose opinion really matters here. Me. (laughs) I'm so excited to feed my inner reader exactly what she asks for. And if that's the literary equivalent of pizza every night, so be it. (laughs) So I want you this holiday and beyond to prioritize your inner reader, even if that reader doesn't want to read at all. Give them the rest that they need and maybe you'll come back to it. There's so much to be said about trying to read more widely and open yourself up to genres and formats you might not otherwise have picked up, but if that challenge comes at the cost of having no reading life at all, then the challenge is not doing what you want it to do. You only have so many hours to read, and if you really want to read this one book, but you also want to complete this challenge, and that book doesn't fulfill the challenge, but you don't give yourself permission to read anything that doesn't fulfill that challenge, then it's pointless, because then you're not reading anything at all, and thus you're not opening yourself up to any experiences outside of your own little noggin. So it is so much more valuable, I think, (laughs) to give yourself permission to read what you want, Because then, the next time your curiosity is sparked by a book you may not typically pick up, you'll be more inclined to give it a try because you've taken care of your inner reader. You've taken care to give them that particular nourishment that it's asking for right now. And you've given yourself permission to abandon books that prevent you from leading a happy reading life. So go forth, my dear friends, and stop reading because you should. Stop reading what you think you should and start reading for you again. That's what I'm going to do. And I hope I have your support because Lord knows I need it. All right, so I've waffled on about that for far too long. So in the interest of getting you excited for me... (laughs) as I go to read books that I want to read this year. There are so many titles that I have been recommended from the Book Riot podcast that I want to read, from co-workers that I want to read, from co-workers who literally put the book on hold for me and then it's been sitting on my shelf for a month. Totally not looking at you, Katie. Um, so I want to go over the books that have sparked something in me this year I wrote down, I added it to my Goodreads list, and then never gave myself permission to read it. And now 
I'm giving myself permission today. Heck yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to me. So I will go (laughs) just to give some order to this chaos. I'll start with one of the books that I was so excited to read that I actually bought one of my good friends from college, Amy. Shout out, Amy. Don't know if you listen to this, but I love you. We are both super fans of Susan Cain, author of Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Won't Stop Talking. Highly recommend that book, especially if you're an introvert or if you have introverts in your life that you just don't understand. Please help us out. Read that book because it will tell you everything you need to know about why we are the way we are and the things that we can't explain to you. So she came out with a new book this year called Bittersweet, How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole. And I was so excited for it that I begged Meredith, our director, to order it for Odell. I have not seen that book circulate as well as I had hoped. So please, if you're listening to this, check it out literally and figuratively and tell me what you think. (laughs) Tell me if it was a horrible suggestion to add it to Odell. But Bittersweet is in the same way that Quiet is a masterpiece that will make introverts feel understood, heard, make you understand yourself better. If you're the type of person who likes sad music, if you like rainy days, if you react really intensely to music, art, nature, beauty, the things this world calls pointless but are actually the things that sustain us, then you probably identify with being bittersweet. Bittersweet is one of my favorite words, so I was so excited when I saw this title connected to the woman who gave me, like, I, what nonfiction book about a phenomenon can make you cry. Like, Susan Cain is a magical human being. Highly recommend checking out any of her TED Talks. They'll change your life. Um, So in Bittersweet, Susan Cain is giving us the same mix of research, storytelling, and memoir that she did in Quiet. And this time we're exploring sorrow and longing and the ways that the state of mind that bittersweet creates helps propel creativity, compassion, leadership, spirituality, and love. That's from her website, and I just, I love her. I highly recommend checking out the podcast episode that she did with Brene Brown as well. Um, They go further into that. I feel incredibly bad that... (laughs) I told Amy that I would read this book with her, sent her a copy when I got one for myself, and then proceeded to not read it. And I'm sure Amy has finished it already because she's the type of person who, you know, jumps on those creative uh, moments. So I'm excited to finally write to her about it. We write letters to each other and see if she wants to talk about it with me. So... That will be probably not the next book that I read because I need something a little bit lighter right now, (laughs) but probably the first book that I'll tackle in December. And then another somewhat heavy going to make me sob book. I have heard this book mentioned on the Book Riot podcast 
at least 10 times. So <laughs> I'm incredibly excited to, well, excited's not the word. That's maybe a little bit inappropriate for what this is. I am incredibly interested, intrigued, ready to get that cathartic crying out. <laughs> I have heard so many good things about Stay True, the memoir from the New Yorker staff writer, Hwasu. So I cannot describe this book as well as the <laughs> description on the Penguin Random House site. In the eyes of 18-year-old Hwasu, the problem with Ken, with his passion for Dave Matthews, Abercrombie and Fitch, and his fraternity, is that he is exactly like everyone else. Ken, whose Japanese-American family has been in the United States for generations, is mainstream. For Hua, the son of Taiwanese immigrants who makes zines and haunts Bay Area record shops, Ken represents all that he defines himself in opposition to. The only thing Hua and Ken have in common is that however they engage with it, American culture doesn't seem to have a place for either of them. But despite his first impressions, Hua and Ken become friends. A friendship built on late-night conversations over cigarettes, long drives along the California coast, and the successes and humiliations of everyday college life. And then, violently, senselessly, Ken is gone, killed in a carjacking, not even three years after the day they first met. Determined to hold on to all that was left of one of his closest friends, his memories, Hua turned to writing. Stay True is the book he's been working on ever since. A coming-of-age story that details both the ordinary and extraordinary. Stay True is a bracing memoir about growing up and about moving through the world in search of meaning and belonging. This is not something that I would normally pick up, I don't think. Maybe. I tend to avoid books that <laughs> I know are going to make me cry, but something about Seeing life through the eyes of Asian Americans, for one thing, that's something that I have been making a more conscious effort to do in my reading life in the last couple of years. But I also feel like, I don't know, it's important to go there. And I think this book will be gentle enough that I can, I can enter that space. Really excited to check that one out. All right, so moving on from nonfiction into my wheelhouse, let's go, baby. We're going to fiction. So I actually have not read very much adult fiction in my life. I just, there's just something about it that I cannot always get into. It's just, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a young adult still in my heart. Um, <laughs> but there are several adult fiction books that have been either recommended to me by my coworkers or by patrons. Always welcome, by the way. So one that came out this year that we got at Odell, beautiful cover. The cover has the print by Hakusai, The Great Wave of Kanagawa, which is the print that I have on my laptop. So it immediately intrigued me because I was like, oh, I know that piece of art. 
which doesn't always happen. My sister is the keeper of all things art and she knows every single painting ever to exist, I feel like. So <laughs> it was exciting for me when I had that moment. But I have gotten recommendations to read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, author of The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery, another incredibly popular best-selling novel. And this new title, um, Teresa recommended to me she was raving about it and i picked it up and it sounds exactly up my alley um about two friends who come together as creative partners in the world of video game design love me some video games and sort of the story and the journey that they go on together as they're creating this thing so from the goodreads on a bitter cold day in the December of his junior year at Harvard, Sam Masur exits a subway car and sees, amid the hordes of people waiting on the platform, Sadie Green. He calls her name. For a moment, she pretends she hasn't heard him, but then she turns and a game begins, a legendary collaboration that will launch them to stardom. These friends, intimate since childhood, borrow money, beg favors, and before even graduating college, they have created their first blockbuster, Ichigo. Overnight, the world is theirs. Not even 25 years old, Sam and Sadie are brilliant, successful, and rich. But these qualities won't protect them from their own creative ambitions or the betrayals of their hearts. Spanning 30 years from Cambridge, Massachusetts to Venice Beach, California, in lands in between and far beyond, Gabrielle Zevin's Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is a dazzling and intricately imagined novel that examines the multifarious nature of identity, disability, failure, the redemptive possibilities in play, and above all, our need to connect, to be loved, and to love. Yes, it is a love story, but it is not one you have read before. And as someone who has read a lot of love stories, excited to read a new one. And also, John Green says it's one of the best books he's ever read. So that's <laughs> immediately another big, big flashing sign. Read this book, Victoria. All right, and a couple of... I did not get these from where they are most well-known from. <laughs> I hate TikTok. I'm just going to put it out there. But I guess one thing that's good about it is that it's uh, making some people who wouldn't read otherwise excited about reading. And I love that. Other things about it, not not a big fan. Um, <laughs> it's kind of crazy over there. I, I don't spend time over there. But I have been keeping up mostly through the book Riot telling me what the TikTok phenomenon books are. <laughs> Um, so three books that have gone viral on TikTok in the last couple of years that I have been meaning to read. Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, which I would have read anyway. Um, I like I I'm wildly curious about how this became a phenomenon on TikTok when this book won the women's prize for fiction ten years ago. Ten years. And it's going viral on TikTok now. It's just wild. But anyway, it hits solidly in my area of interest. Uh, I am a big Iliad nerd. <laughs> Fell in love with the Odyssey. 
in high school in my AP Lit class. I fell in love with Greek myth and such, and then went on to take a history class in college in which we read the Iliad by Homer. Fell in love with that, and so the Song of Achilles follows, obviously, Achilles and Patroclus and reimagines that in a light that I think is a much more accurate reading than a lot of people would uh, think. Just go read it, okay? I'm <laughs> Read it with me, okay? And then the other two that I've been interested in from TikTok are Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. I fell in love with Casey McQuiston, as I said earlier, when I read her newest book, her debut young adult novel, I Kissed Cheryl Wheeler. Please go read that book. It is. It has been sitting on our new shelf for weeks now, and I keep putting it on display in the hopes that someone will pick it up and check it out. Please put me out of my misery. Um, <laughs> and then come tell me how much you loved it. So I'm excited to check out some of Casey McQuiston's adult fiction because she's been writing books for a while. I just was not up on the current hits of the book world until probably this year. So Red, White, and Royal Blue is about what would happen if the president's son falls in love with a prince of another country. <laughs> so in this book, Alex Claremont Diaz, his mother becomes president. He's the first son and he's the American equivalent of a young royal. And apparently he has beef with this prince Henry and the U.S.-British relations take a turn <laughs> for the worst. And so the damage control that they undergo is making a fake Instagram friendship. And in doing so, they actually become friends, grow, you know, a deeper relationship, and they fall in love. And I'm just so excited. It's, you know, the age-old question, does love actually save the world? Like, I think it does. <laughs> and it just got optioned for a for a movie. A movie. Yes. I, I don't think there is a date yet for that, but incredibly excited for whenever that comes out. Because I'm pretty sure I'm gonna love this book. So, nice, bingeable book. And in that same vein, Katie... <laughs> put this book on hold for me ages ago and I have had it for weeks and not gotten started. It's been on my list but I feel extra bad because Katie has finished like every single book that I've recommended to her in like a single day. So it's my turn and she has put me firmly in the line of sight of one Emily Henry. Let's go. TikTok sensation Everybody loves her over there. Katie put on hold for me Beach Read. And these are just, I'm excited to see what is different in the world of fluffy romance novel. I have not read one in a while. <laughs> I've been trying to keep catch up on other things that I missed in my own reading life. I spent a good portion of my time growing up reading romance novels, and none of them were very diverse. So I have been trying to read more LGBTQ, uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color, etc, etc. This is not what this book is, um, but 
I have high hopes for it because Katie recommends it so highly and I I love everything Katie recommends to me. Okay, so this book is about a romance writer who no longer believes in love and a literary writer stuck in a rut. So Augustus Everett is an acclaimed author of literary fiction. This is from the Goodreads website. January Andrews writes best-selling romance. When she pens a happily ever after, he kills off his entire cast. The only thing they have in common is that for the next three months, they're living in the neighboring beach houses, broke and bogged down with writer's block. Boy, can I relate. Until one hazy evening, one thing leads to another and they strike a deal designed to force them out of their creative ruts. Augustus will spend the summer writing something happy and January will pen the next great American novel. She'll take him on field trips worthy of any rom-com montage and he'll take her to interview surviving members of a backwoods death cult, obviously. Everyone will finish a book and no one will fall in love, really. I'm... I mean, I have seen many, many, many iterations of the grumpy curmudgeon man enchanted by super optimistic woman, but you know, I had a break from it and I'm excited to try the updated version. So excited to check that one out, but not nearly as excited as I am to read these next two books that are LGBTQ holiday books. Let's freaking go, man. So (laughs) the holiday book scene can be incredibly whitewashed and straightwashed and, you know, more power to you if you love them. I understand, but I'm tired of the same old thing. But then I saw this book. I don't remember what list I was on, but I was like, I have to read this book. It sounds amazing. So I told Meredith that we should get it for Odell. We got it. And I immediately was like, okay, can I borrow this first? Cause I really want to read it. And obviously, yeah. Um, so it is called kiss her once for me by Allison Cochran. And I'm so excited. Um, so I will read the description from Goodreads. One year ago, Recent Portland transplant Ellie Oliver had her dream job in animation and a Christmas Eve meet-cute with a woman at a bookstore that led her to fall in love over the course of a single night. But after a betrayal the next morning and the loss of her job soon after, she finds herself adrift, alone and desperate for money. Finding work at a local coffee shop, she's just getting through the days until Andrew, the shop's landlord, proposes a shocking drunken plan a marriage of convenience that will give him his recent inheritance and alleviate Ellie's financial woes and isolation. They make a plan to spend the holidays together at his family cabin to keep up the ruse, but when Andrew introduces his new fiancé to his sister, Ellie is shocked to discover it's Jack, the mysterious woman she fell for over the course of one magical Christmas Eve the year before. Now Ellie must choose between the safety of a fake relationship and the risk of something real. I love this. So excited for a good holiday trope, fake dating. Oops, I already met the person that I'm in love with and now I'm with this fake person and I could have the one that I really love. I can't wait. I can't wait to get my little reindeer mitts on these pages and just 
eat it all up like a plate of Santa's cookies. All right. So <laughs> that's going to be my probably my next read because I'm dying to read it. I have been so excited ever since I heard about it. And then the other one that I'm really excited to read, I got a tip off from Rebecca on the Book Riot podcast. Can you tell I get a lot of my recommendations from the Book Riot podcast? Yes. Um, Go listen to it. And she said she's going to read The Holiday Trap by Rowan Parrish. And I looked it up and I was like, I need to read this book right now. So once again, from the Goodreads website, Greta Rusikoff loves her tight-knit family and tiny Maine hometown, even if they don't always understand what it's like to be a lesbian living in such a small world. She desperately needs space to figure out who she is. Truman Belvedere has just had his heart crushed into a million pieces when he learned that his boyfriend of almost a year has a secret life that includes a husband and a daughter. Whoa. (laughs) Reeling from this discovery, all he wants is a place to lick his wounds far, far away from New Orleans. Enter Greta and Truman's mutual friend, Ramona, who facilitates a month-long house swap. It's like the holiday. Excellent movie with Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet and Jack Black and Jude Law, aka bunch of cool people. Anyway, Over the winter holidays, each of them will have a chance to try on a new life and maybe fall in love with the perfect partner of their dreams. But all holidays must come to an end, and eventually Greta and Truman will have to decide whether the love they've each found so far from home is worth fighting for. So here for this. It is insane. Okay, and speaking of romance tropes, cheesy love stories that I have not read in a while, I was very obsessed with Rainbow Rowell at one point. Not Eleanor and Park. Don't read Eleanor and Park. Not worth your time. Attachments, yes. Read it like 10 times. Landline, heck yes. And Fangirl, which I already recommended like a billion times, so obviously you know it's good had a whole big thing in our episode with Katie about that. So go listen to that if you want to know why that book makes me cry and it means so much to me. Other things that are good, whatever. Uh, November 8th of this year, she released a new short story collection called Scattered Showers, Beautiful Cover, Rainbow Clouds. The pages themselves are blue along the outside. Oh, just chef's kiss okay uh it's a collection of nine love stories camping out to see a star wars movie uh best friends talking about the purpose of high school dances princes and trolls imaginary boys and simon snow himself from the simon snow trilogy are all included in this book and i'm just excited i'm i'm I know I'm going to love this, so I already checked it out, but it'll be back in probably like two days because I'll probably just devour it, so (laughs) look for that one at Odell. All right, and I've been going for a long time, so I'm just going to like speed run it through (laughs) the rest of my young adult titles. I saw on the list of indigenous books as I was researching for the lamented indigenous books podcast episode um i saw the firekeeper's daughter by angeline booley like a bajillion times 
I had to wait like three weeks for this book. That's nothing if you're still waiting to read a Colleen Hoover book. Um, but it, it is unusual for the types of books that I request through Prairie Cat for them to take that long. So I'm going to be jumping on this while I have it in my little hands. And I will actually read you this description from Goodreads because I don't know. I don't know how to describe this book. <laughs> As a biracial and unenrolled tribal member and the product of a scandal, Donis Fontaine has never quite fit in, both in her hometown and on the nearby Ojibwe reservation. When her family is struck by tragedy, Donis puts her dreams on hold to take care of her fragile mother. The only bright spot is meeting Jamie, the charming new recruit on her brother's hockey team. After Donis witnesses a shocking murder that thrusts her into a criminal investigation, she agrees to go undercover. But the deceptions and deaths keep piling up, and soon the threat strikes too close to home. How far will she go to protect her community if it means tearing apart the only world she's ever known? And you've got to see this cover. It is beautiful. So bold and such beautiful graphic design. I commend whoever came up with this book cover because it is immediately enticing. Really excited to to dig into that one. And then sort of in a not dissimilar vein, I have been meaning to read one of Alice Oseman's novels of fiction as opposed to graphic novel that Heartstopper is. I want to read her debut novel, Solitaire. I've started it online, but I want to get my hands on the print copy because I think it'll be just a nice, quick paperback read. So it's her debut novel. It's from the perspective of one of the main characters in Heartstopper, Charlie. So his sister, Tori Spring. I don't even know how to describe (laughs) this book. Tori is very depressed. She and Charlie both struggle a lot with mental health. And I think it's a really great representation of depression from the little bit that I've read. And someone named Solitaire is like messing with her and creating chaos in her school. So I'm really, really intrigued to see what the heck happens in this quote year that changed everything that it says on the cover. Excited to check that one out because I love, 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 love Alice Oseman. And then there are a couple of books that if I have time, I would like to get to. And mind you, this list is not, I'm definitely going to read all of these before next year. That's not going to happen. I already know being real. Today is the day of realism. Okay. That's not going to happen, Victoria. Okay. So this is a, I'm going to pick from these and decide what I want. What do I want right now? And if I want a nice, juicy, queer, young adult novel. I'm going to go for Ophelia After All by Raquel Marie, which came out this year in February. And the title character, Ophelia Rojas, is figuring stuff out. She gets broken up with before prom by her ex-boyfriend, and she's sort of discovering who she is, how her desire shapes her understanding of herself, why she's thinking about this cute, quiet girl, Talia Sanchez, and how that sort of plants seeds of doubt in the person that she has decided that she is and 
your youth is the time to figure out who you are and firm understanding is not a guarantee and it's a bad thing if it's uh, too solid, I think. So that restructuring of herself leads to a crazy end of her high school career, changes in her friend group, but she's trying to figure out who she is. And I'm incredibly excited whenever I get to it to walk that journey with her. One of several books that came out this year along that vein. The other one that sort of reminds me of that one, yes, The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes. And I also really want to read this book at some point about a Mexican girl at a mostly white, very well-to-do Catholic school and she is completely in the closet. No one knows that she is gay, and she gets outed before she transfers to this Catholic school. So she is just trying to fake her way through (laughs) this Catholic school experience, take care of her family, keep her brother out of trouble, and then she meets the only openly queer girl at school, Bo, and she finds herself struggling to keep her promise that she won't fall in love. She is figuring out what she is going to do, how she's going to live in these two conflicting worlds. The world of, you know, Mexican parents and Catholic school rules that (laughs) say that being gay is wrong. And This world in which, hey, there's this girl who is openly queer and is cool, and I like her, and I'm just excited by the representation that seems to be at the forefront of this novel, not only in sexuality, but also diversity of ethnicity, and super intrigued by that, so highly, highly anticipating that one. And then a couple of graphic novels that I want to get to if I need just a little palate cleanser between novels or nonfiction, adult books, whatever. Thieves by Lucy Byron was highly recommended to me by one of my college friends, and Crumbs by Danny Sterling, which seems to be a little bit like Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker. Adorable novel. Oh, I love that novel so much. Oh, what a cute one. We have that one here at Odell. I highly recommend checking that out. But if I get to those, it'll be good. But otherwise, that's my that's my list for the year. If there's anything that you think I should add to this list, is there any book that came out in 2022 that you were like, Victoria, how have you not read this already? Although I probably answered that question in extended commentary form earlier, but... <laughs> Let me know if there's anything that really struck a chord with you. If it seems like we have similar reading tastes, I, I'm i open to like anything, basically. And I also, you know, won't read it if I don't want to, but <laughs> same goes for you. And I hope that I have sparked some interest. If you read any of these books with me, let me know. I would love to hear your thoughts. Love to hear if I have recommended any books that you have tried this year that you really liked or really hated. Just give me some reactions. I I love talking to people about books and I've been having a lot of fun 
having guests on this podcast. And it seems like from the analytics on those episodes that you guys are enjoying those as well. So I've got a couple of ideas for future guests um, working on lining those up. And I think it'll be really exciting to introduce those voices to this space. So for these verses, my regular segment, in the same vein of priority lists, there are a couple of poetry collections I wouldn't mind getting in. They're pretty quick reads. I picked up a copy of I Hope This Finds You Well by Kate Bear, one of my favorite poets, while I was in Omaha for a wedding and went to this adorable little indie bookstore, Jackson Street Booksellers. Highly recommend devoting a couple of hours perusing if you're a bookworm and you find yourself out there in Omaha. It's incredibly all-consuming. I love it. You can find so many treasures there. So hoping to find some time to read that. And I also would like to get to that Joy Harjo um, collection weaving sundown into scarlet light and i also never got around to finishing amanda gorman's collection call us what we carry which was one of the best um books to come out this year i think as far as poetry goes um i so many patrons have highly recommended that to me so i hope to be able to get to that one too but i did not (laughs) i i have been going through a time with my poetry working on a big poetry project a secret project, um, and did not have time to prepare a new poem. But in the interest of giving you something to listen to, nevertheless, I, every year at Thanksgiving, start thinking about all the people that I love so much, all the sappy feels, (laughs) and I don't think I ever shared this poem that I wrote for one of my best friends, literally, ever. Um, that I met in college. The one and only Justine. Oh, there's no one like her. So they have consistently been one of the people that I can pick up with and everything is the same, no matter how much time has passed. And that is incredibly important to me because I am very much a person who struggles to maintain regular contact with people. Unfortunately, I wish I wasn't that way. I, <laughs> It's not for lack of severe unflinching love or anything i i think my love is too unflinching sometimes um (laughs) but yeah i wrote this poem for justine for her birthday in march and i find myself coming back to it every now and then because i'm really narcissistic for one thing and read my own poetry all the time but it just makes me think about justine and right now i would like to think about justine so i'll read you this poem and we'll call it good okay This birthday poem is a late bloomer too, for Justine, by Victoria Horn. You coach me on the phone as I circle your block 30 times like the directionless idiot I am. Laugh outside the bathroom door as I change for the fifth time. Lead the way through the side door so we don't walk in with the bride. It's cool, you may proceed. Leave the party early before the dreaded dancing starts. Hurry out 
shed our fancy disguises. There you are. Settle in for another nurt's journey and tune our dials to the blessed Orla Gardland. I can name a million and one nights like this, talking in sacred circles and Mobius strips, walking the infinite double edge of self-reflection. Everything is rhetoric, our patron saint said so many times, and she was right. Here I say, you are so good at waiting for me, and by this, I mean you make a way for me to find myself, in my own time, in any order, in you. I say, you mean the world to me, and you unfold these words to see my heart origamied into a place where every version of you is recognized and revered. Now I say, I love you, for so many reasons, and you know I mean just like this, just you and me, late bloomers cross-legged on the floor, dealing one more hand, daring this game to match our defiant joy. Alright, so that's it for this incredibly chaotic episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening to me spiral. And I hope that you have the most uh, self-indulgent of Thanksgiving holidays. I hope you spend time with the ones that you love and whether you can do that virtually or in person, I hope that it is fruitful and life-giving. This is the time of the year when it can be easy to find yourself feeling a little bit down, especially if you don't have your support system around you. So know that if you need a little pick-me-up, we're always here for you at Odell. Pop on in, come sit down in one of our cozy little chairs, sit by the tree, and let us know how we can be of support to you. We're always here for you. We're grateful for those of you who continue to show your support. Thank you so much for letting us continue our work here. It is incredibly soul-giving for all of us, and we just we couldn't do this without you. So thank you so much. And if you have suggestions for topics, genres, books you'd like me to cover on the podcast, shoot me an email at ask.odell.library at gmail.com. And until next time, I hope you've enjoyed your time Between the Stacks. This episode of Between the Stacks was written and produced by Victoria Horn. Special thanks to the Odell Public Library staff, library board, and friends of Odell. A hearty cheers to all of our lovely patrons who support the library. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Somewhat coherent. I literally could not think of the word coherent. That really bodes well for this episode. Reading regimen. Regimen is the wrong word, that at least you can count on me having some semblance of articulateness. <laughs> Wait, she is everything. And I thought, eh, I'll still catch up. I've got half the year left to borrow a word from my college experience. <laughs> community, all the community, to sink my little Christmas teeth. Ew, what are Christmas teeth? No, enter at your own risk picture of his friend taking a picture.
very meta and yeah that's gonna be fun to edit and i'm so excited to sink my little teeth into why do i keep saying no not doing that <laughs> please know that we do note <laughs> what you're reading i mean if you go in fresh it's it's crazy the old faithful would burn it i'm not even joking god bless ah yes if you know you know poet and i didn't even know it actually I do god help you don't take anyone else's word for it the goddess that is kristen stewart i will die on that hill i'm super excited to keep trekking with this one what i kind of hoped would happen at the end of that movie uh but i digress incredible good for me um yeah beware okay just <laughs> let's go it was amazing why can't i do this Be gorgeous uh, just incredible i hope you like what i did there okay it felt like an, a point of no return